0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Amen. Good morning, Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And thank you so much, Michael, for the privilege to share the Word this morning. We are on a journey together, uh, as you could tell, and over the last few months we've been tapping into a prophetic word and specific theme in scripture that's been our focus and our theme, and that has been guiding our thinking and our behavior in terms of the things in the spirit in this church. We've been speaking about a specific scripture, and I'm going to pick up from there this morning And focus in on one particular element that the prophet Isaiah speaks about, which I feel is very relevant for us in this season uh, as a church. Um, But before I do that, I, Siobhan spoke earlier about the season that we are in, or the time that we are in in this church. And you could tell something is different if you've been here for any length of time, and you're sort of joining in in and capturing the art and the flow of what the spirit is doing. There's a difference, there's a different move of the spirit. There's a different atmosphere, if you'd like. There's a different way in which the spirit is leading us and calling us to press into the things of God. And this different way is what I believe is going to bring us tremendous freedom and liberty in the spirit. It's going to bring about the stirring of the gifts. It's going to bring about a peace, it's going to bring about repentance, it's going to bring about a freedom that we may never have experienced before. So, and as with any amazing season, there are also challenges that come. It seems as exciting as the season is, that the enemy is trying his level best also to distract us and to prevent us from walking in God's best. But we thank God that his grace is sufficient. That no matter what happens, that we are his children, that we are the beloved, that he's paid a price for us, and that he's adopted us as his own sons and daughters. And so we thank God for for testimonies. We thank God for all the praise reports. We thank God for the things that he's doing in our family. Um, Chantal and I are in an exciting season. We've, after many years of waiting on the Lord and trusting in him for our own home, our own house, it has finally happened. After exactly... Thank you. We praise God for that. um, At last count, Michael, the emails were 62 exactly. 62 emails is what it takes to get you a new house. Um, With all the delays and backlogs and things that are happening. And uh, Once you get to 62, that's when it's going to happen. Amen. And so we thank God for, the, for his provision. Um, it's, it's been an exciting journey for us. It's been um, when Chantal and I got married um, just a few months before that, as you would know some of you, the story, I was retrenched and I was without work for a very long time. And then when eventually I got back on my feet, uh, Chantal had some challenges at her work and uh, the Lord led us to, to make it a very tough decision We we needed to trust him in that season. And you were saying to us that Chantal needs to study full time to pursue her gift and her passion. And that in itself was a journey. That in itself was challenging. That in itself doesn't just happen. You you don't just finish school, then not study for a while, and then you all of a sudden be in the flow of academics again. It takes a while for you to settle in. And the many challenges and attacks and where the enemy tried to prevent this from happening. Uh, A few months ago, or a a month ago now, Chantal graduated uh, from nursing college, so she's now a registered nurse. And you you need to understand something about this: is that when we just met, when we just became friends, those that was one of the first things I said to her. She was doing some work in administration at the time, and I said to her, "I really feel that the Lord is calling you to be a nurse." And it took years and years us to get to that place where we said, let's make the sacrifice, let's send you for full-time study, and God has been faithful, Amen? amen? Amen. So can you give God praise this morning, just before we get in to this word, and we thank him for his faithfulness. I heard somebody say the other day, don't be too concerned if God is moving in other people's lives, and it looks like he's not coming to you. If he's doing it for your neighbor, it means that he's in the neighborhood, So you just remain faithful, he's on his way with your breakthrough. And I hope that this message today is going to get you closer, if not all the way. There's something that the Spirit has laid on my heart a few weeks ago, and as I said, it ties into the overall theme of what we are dealing with right now. So I'm going to read that foundational scripture in Isaiah chapter 60, and verse 1. So Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Throughout the sermons and teachings that we've had in the last few weeks, we've come to understand that when the Bible says or gives a command to arise, it means that there was a certain posture or position that we've been in before or are currently in, and the Spirit is now calling us out of that position into something new. This is a key theme of all of Scripture, is that God often calls us out of something into something else. That's why the Israelites rejoiced at being delivered, but they were also being delivered into something. So, out of Egypt, into the Promised Land. That is a complete delivery. It makes no sense for you to place your Uber Eats order, and it says delivery successful, but you don't have the parcel in your hands. You cannot say that delivery has taken place. It's on the move, it's on the way, but the delivery is only complete once you've taken possession. It's the same with spiritual things, is that your deliverance is only complete not just when you've left the old life, but when you've walked into the stuff that God has set aside for you. Amen? So what eyes shine, come out of, stand up, Come into the light. Take ownership of. Stir up the gift. Open your mouth. Lift your hands. Speak the truth of God. Forget the former things. All of these are synonyms for arise. In the Amplified Bible, and I really like this in Isaiah 60, it says arise from spiritual depression into a new life. Spiritual depression. Shine, be radiant with the glory and brilliance of the Lord for your light has come and the glory and brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise because in your getting up you will meet the light. He doesn't have to bring the light. It says there, for your light has come. In other words, the thing that you need to be delivered into already exists It's waiting for you to get up from a spiritual depression to a new life. There are certain expressions and evidence in our lives that indicate whether in fact we have indeed arisen and are shining with the glory and brilliance of the Lord. There's evidence things will exist in your life once you've come out of that old way, out of the old posture into the new stuff. Is very tangible, visible things that you will experience when you walk in the fullness of this promise. The fact that the life of Jesus is being formed on the inside of you and finds expression is the evidence that you've come out of the old stuff into the new. We are primarily spirit beings. We are primarily spirit. We have a soul where The mind and the emotions locate itself, and we have a physical body. So we are spirit, we have a soul, we live in a physical body. What Isaiah is calling us out of is the spiritual depression. In other words, that portion that is the real you, the inner man, the stuff that gets the prompting and the witness and the whispers and the promises of God. That spirit understands what the spirit of God is doing. Your body and your soul needs to come into line with what is already taking place in your spirit. And once you have done that, you have come out of a spiritual depression. So our spirits have been recreated, right? When we are born again, our spirit man gets regenerated. On the day that we believe that Jesus Christ has come to this earth, has died for us, and he rose again, the truth of that salvation experience becomes real, becomes life to us. It is, however, possible to limit or restrict that influence of the new life by giving into the desires of our old life. The old nature has no true concept of repentance or forgiveness. Your old nature loves to live independently, your old nature loves to do things. My way. I want to do it the way that I want to do it. The old nature enjoys, to, enjoys getting offended. The old nature likes to sulk when things happen. The old nature likes to set up altars of worship when you go through difficult times. And for the rest of your life, you make that the point of reference for everything that happens. Perhaps even a constant craving to fit in with the crowd. You remember that part of your old nature? Just want to fit in. Just want to belong somewhere. Forgetting and missing the fact that God is calling you to fit into His plan, His purpose, and His family. So, all these things are characteristics of the old spirit. The old nature seeks fulfillment outside of everything, or outside the life of Jesus, in everything else. And when we allow this old nature to surface and dominate our thoughts, it leads, in my experience, to prayerlessness, a disengaged commitment to Jesus, a faith that wavers. And it often seems like you just want to hold on for dear life to this title or this identity of being a Christian. It's when that old life surfaces and calls you back and says, prayer doesn't work. Why waste the time? Why make the sacrifice? Blame something else. Blame time at work. Blame time with family. Blame everything else around you for your prayerlessness. Don't believe in God. Make a plan. Do something. Even if you know that's exactly what God is calling you not to do. The old nature likes to step in that independence and say, let me handle it. Paul says it in this way to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. But now this, sorry, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. A form of godliness. In other words, I've got the label, but I deny the working of its power in my life. I've got the title of a believer, but I deny the full power thereof because I still rely on my own strength. My theme for today, or if you are looking for the title for the sermon, is put on the garment of praise. More evidence that you are awake and are shining is that you possess this nature or spirit of praise. I spoke previously about that independent spirit that likes to do things outside of God's will. In Isaiah 61, if we can just go there, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 3, and this is that messianic prophecy. This is what Jesus has come to do. And Isaiah speaks about this, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. So, this is the exchange the oil of joy for mourning, the garment. Of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that ye may be glorified. So verse four, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Evidence that the life of Jesus is forming on the inside of you is that you wear this garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. With everything else you'll see there that it says the oil of joy for mourning to give them beauty for ashes. But then when it comes to the spirit of heaviness, in other words, the spiritual depression that he spoke about in the chapter before, he doesn't say that I give them a new atmosphere, that I wish good times and happy vibes in their life. He says the opposite of the spirit of heaviness is this garment. In other words, this is the thing that you have to put on if you want the benefit of it. I'm calling you out of the spiritual depression, and the thing that I want you to walk into and accept and celebrate is a garment of praise. There's only one cure for spiritual depression. If you are still stuck, if you are feeling your prayer life is going nowhere, I'm just saying thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you, Father, for the food. Please let me have a good night's sleep. God is calling you into deeper things in the season, in the spirit, and the way that you break through that spiritual depression is this garment of praise. When that becomes evident in your life, you are going to walk in the fullness of Isaiah 60, verse 1. You are going to arise and shine because your light has come. But there's a reason why we are not walking in these things. There's a reason why we have not put on that garment of praise. And that's primarily the fact that we want to come out of that depression in our own strength. And we're going to deal with that in a second. So praise is what positions you to walk on your high places of difficulty and your misguided worship of idols. In the Old Testament book of Habakkuk 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 17, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Oh, no, sorry, that's the wrong verse I Just go to the next portion. Well, let me just read it you. Habakkuk 3, verse 17, Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines, though the yield of olive fails, And the fields produce no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there are no cattle in the stalls. He says this, yet I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will choose to shout in exaltation in the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hinds feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. He says, I will choose to rejoice. I will choose, even though I look at that fig tree and I don't see any fruit, and I look in the fields and I don't see the cattle that's supposed to be there and I look at my bank account, and I don't see the money that is supposed to be there. And I look at all the stuff people have promised me, and I don't see it there. And I look at the places and the people that are supposed to accept me, but they reject me. Yet will I choose to rejoice in the Lord. You see, you can only choose and walk in a spiritual confidence if these things are inwardly part of who you are if this is part of your spiritual DNA, if this is part of your spiritual makeup, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. Amen. I will choose. Amen. We briefly spoke last week about the fact that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. In other words, what are you saying there, you don't have a spirit of fear. In other words, you are not subject to the influence of fear. It shouldn't be a natural expression for you to fear the things that you do because a spirit gives birth to certain characteristics in your life. A spirit is not, I do this, I sing the song, and then I praise the Lord. Or I say this, or I do this duty. A spirit means I am constantly under the influence of that which has been deposited on the inside of me. That's why when the enemy attacks and he comes after your spirit, the stuff in your old life wants to resurface without any effort. Have you ever found it difficult to sin in your old life? Why was it not difficult to sin? It was part of who you are. And the deliverance is not just from the stuff that you did. The deliverance is from the spirit that's been recreated. Because if God recreates the spirit... It becomes harder for your body and your soul to line up with the stuff that you previously did and you just find yourself not doing them anymore. Because a spirit has been recreated. And it's the same with when I choose to rejoice. When I put on that garment of praise, the Bible says I have a confidence that no matter what happens around me, I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. I make the decision Not in my own strength, but I come into line with what God says about me, and he gives me the confidence to walk on my high places of responsibility and challenge. Anybody got the responsibilities and challenges? Just look straight ahead. So sometimes our faith is restricted to what we see and experience, and therefore we don't walk with this garment of praise. We praise only, and our praise only finds expression when we see the stuff. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful that you've done this for me. There's nothing wrong in saying thank you, and we ought to say thank you all the time. But it should be such a natural part of who we are that we just rejoice even when we don't see it. Because it's already on the inside of us. The stuff that God has set aside for us already exists. Is already made a way for us. And that way is called Jesus. Having a garment of praise means I praise whether I see it or I don't. Every great victory was preceded by great praise. In the Old Testament, we find the wise King Joseph, King of Judah, who appointed... Otherwise, God-fearing men to make decisions in the kingdom. And then, at a certain time, Israel's enemies surrounded them and planned to attack. And Jehoshaphat was leading the nation to humbly seek God's help and wisdom. And God promised that he would fight the battle for them. And so, we find ourselves in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 20. And King Jehoshaphat is standing in front of this great battle. It says So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tokoah, And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the Lord, praise the beauty of his holiness. And as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord said ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir had come against Judah, and they were defeated. So here we have this king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, who's coming under attack. The attack is being launched. These people are on their way. And he cries out to the Lord in the verses before the portion that, that we read. And he seeks for wisdom. He seeks for understanding. He seeks for what do I do now? He seeks counsel. He seeks to determine what is my next step, as all of us do when we come into trouble. But this is a, a battle that he needs to face. This is an actual onslaught that's going to come. They are going to come with firepower. They're coming to kill. They're coming to destroy. They're coming to wipe out these people. And Jehoshaphat, who's in charge basically comes and says you know what for our army let's put the praises on the front line if I was part of that praise team (laughs) I was not coming to church that Sunday because we are fighting a battle here we are going to war here and he says in the wisdom of God put those who praise the Lord on the front line and your Bible says Praise the Lord. This is the song they sing, for His mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon. Now when they began to praise, not when they began to take up more ammunition or when they called other armies to come, now when they began to praise, maybe you should check if this is in your Bible also, The Lord set ambushes against them. In other words, he stood true to his word because he said, stand steadfast. This is a battle that you don't have to fight. All you need to do is when you see them come, you give praise to me and I will set the ambush. I don't know what darkness you are facing or confusion you are in or stuff you are worried about. The Lord says to us today, sing the song of the Lord. Give praise to me. Stand still and watch me fight this battle for you. Can we give God praise this morning for His faithfulness. Verse 24 in that chapter says, So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry which they had stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. You might feel that you've lost out and that the enemy has taken and robbed you, stolen years and attacked the family and taken your time. But God is bringing you into a season Where he's going to give you so much that you can't carry it all away at once. He's going into your future. He's going into the generations that will follow you. And he wants to bless you with so much. But all of this is dependent on your spirit of praise. Can I praise him when I don't see it? Can I sing a song when I see the army attack? Or do I run for cover in my own strength? Do I seek counsel from the wrong people and places? You'll see very much that every time something like this happens in the Bible that there's always a consultation about what do the prophets say? Or what does the word of the Lord say? Let's go to the Father and ask Him first. We often try to tie in our experiences with or our faith into the experiences. We, we like to see things happen first before we stand up and praise. But God is looking for that people who can do it nonetheless. I, I just want to share two other reasons with you why we don't share, or why we don't walk in the spirit of praise. And the one I, I spoke about earlier is the spirit of offense that has overtaken you. Offense, we, years ago when we studied this, we We know that Pastor John Bevere has this theme, the book and the videos, that speaks about the bait of Satan. The bait, in other words, the thing that attracts Satan into your life. And he made us understand that the bait of Satan is offense. If I'm constantly offended, and if I'm constantly looking for reasons not to forgive, it means I'm on the polar opposite side of God's grace, because that grace does not care who I was and what I've done, And what I've been through, that grace forgives. If I choose not to forgive and walk in offense and hold things against people and continuously sulk and set up altars there, it means that I've accepted the bait of Satan. So he's free to do whatever he wants to in my life. You need to get rid of and break the spirit of offense over your life. Doesn't matter what happened, God has got more in store for you. God has got so much more in store for you. We saw it in the verse earlier that you cannot even carry it all away at once. But the spirit of offense and the spirit of unforgiveness and the spirit of I want to take revenge and I wish bad things upon the people who did bad things to me needs to be broken and it gets broken, firstly, with acknowledging the fact that I have given into the spirit of offense and then it's going to come down to you to walk with that garment of praise For the spirit of heaviness. God wants to do the exchange today. He says, give me that spirit of heaviness. I'm going to give you a garment of praise. That's going to be your weapon. Another reason why we don't walk in it is in the spirit of praise. is because we've not yet counted our trials as joy. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience, patience, patience. 60-something emails, patience, every day, every (laughs) single day. (laughs) I even had a schedule at one stage of how I'm following up with the attorney's and the deeds office. It was in my calendar, so when the reminder goes off, it's time to email, it's time to ask, what's the latest, what's happening, what do I need to do? Give me feedback, say something, anybody, do something. Because by this stage, the transfer fees and duties and things have been paid. And I've been on Pinterest so many times to see, what are we going to do with the lounge? And where's the ideas for the decor? And what are we going to do with the paving? And what kind of paint? And all of that's there. But the distraction of unfinished business is also there. And God was just saying, be patient, be patient, be patient. I'm coming for you. It's a done deal. This is the one I want you to have. This is my promise coming true for you. And some of us need to take some time and maybe write letters to the people who rejected us, the people who were responsible for the trials, and the people who hurt us, and the people who said, I want nothing to do with you, and the people who closed the doors. And we need to say to them, thanks for the trial. I count it all joy. It was not a joy, but I count it a joy. In other words, if I look at that situation, I remember how painful it was. I remember how we tried to destroy me. But James chapter 1 verse 2 says count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it a joy because this is what produces patience and patience is needed for you to have faith. And patience is needed for you to walk in the spirit of praise. Imagine you being on that battlefield that day with Joseph and he says to you, guys our strategy is we're sending the worship team out front. In our case, it would have been this morning. There's people on their way. Pastor Michael, you and your guitar out front. Are we standing behind you? What was he in fact saying? Trust me. You don't understand the strategy, but trust me. And be patient because I'm going to do the work. Some of us have tried everything under the sun. And you even come this morning, I need to go and pray for this issue. But God is saying, the exchange needs to happen. Give me that spirit of heaviness and take this garment of praise. Why do we need to wear this garment? Isaiah 61, verse 4. And they, so this is, remember, the Messianic prophecy has gone out. Isaiah speaks about these are all the things Jesus is coming to do when he comes and when he preaches. This is the effect. Right? This is the exchange that needs to happen. And then it says, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. You can go to the next one. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, instead of your shame, look at somebody and say, instead of your shame, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion, therefore, in their land they shall possess double, and everlasting joy shall be theirs. This is the result. If you wear the garment of praise, this is what you look forward to in your life every day. Everlasting joy. It doesn't matter what happens. Everlasting joy. Not a good feeling, warm and fuzzy feelings that might be there, come and go, whatever. But everlasting joy. Shall be theirs. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. I have one more scripture. I didn't add it there today. I'm just going to read it from here. Again, King Josephat, king of Judah. In Second Kings chapter 3, it says So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. These three kings had formed an alliance because, again, there was an attack. Uh, Again, the onslaught was coming. And this king that was under attack asked for Joseph to join this alliance with his people. And they were going to fight back. So they're marching around the city in a roundabout way for seven days. Eventually, no more water for them or for the animals. And the king of Israel said, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. So it's the Moabites and Moab who had come, and they were launching this attack. And the one king is now sulking, and he says, the Lord brought us to this place because he wants to deliver us into these people's hands and destroy us. That's just for a bit of context. But Jehoshaphat, remember Jehoshaphat who sent the worship team out front, he says, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah, meaning Elijah's right hand man, his servant is here. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. In other words, you never wanted to listen to the wisdom and the prophecies of the Lord. Now that you are in need, now you want to run to me. (laughs) The message translation is go to your puppet prophets. But he's basically saying, go to where you normally find advice and ask them for help. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look to you nor see you. In other words, Elisha is now saying to them, Just because Jehoshaphat is here, and I know that this is a man of God. I'm going to help you. I'm going to consider your case. And I'm going to counsel you. And then Elisha says these words, but now bring me a musician. Elisha, there's no time for this now. (laughs) But he says, now bring me a musician. Bring the music. And then the Bible says, then it happened. When the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that the valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord the stuff that you are crying about, the stuff that's keeping you awake at night. Your Bible says, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. So this is immediately the joy and the victory that comes after the praises has come, after the musician has come and they're singing. There's something, praise is not always only tied up into music, but certainly it's a powerful expression. It's a powerful vehicle that allows us to come and connect with the Word of God. It's a powerful vehicle that brings us and ushers in the presence of the Lord. Your praise and the expression that comes through your own mouth when you open your mouth and raise your hands is part of the stuff and the, the dynamics of the kingdom that God has blessed you with that is going to give you the victory. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered, that suddenly water came by the way of Edom, and the land was full with water. from a complete drought, a complete desperation, a complete frustration and anger, and we don't know what to do, and where do we go from here? It says, and the land was full with water. Many of us have a promise. We have a prophecy. We have words of wisdom and knowledge that have been spoken. We have good counsel. You know what to do, but it somehow seems that that word just cannot find expression in your own life. The Spirit was telling me to say to you, bring the musician. Bring on the praise. Praise is what is going to connect the dots for you. Praise is what's going to connect the word, the promise, the prophecy with what God wants to do in your life in this season. When you walk in a spiritual depression, it's difficult to praise. It's difficult to pray. It's difficult to come to church. It's difficult to have any form of engaging faith. But I believe God is calling us out of that spiritual depression. Out of that prayerlessness. Out of that wavering faith. Out of that frustration of, God, what do you want me to do where my relationship with you is concerned? What is it that you are saying to me in this season? What is it that I am missing out on? I receive all this good counsel and all these words and I know what to do, but there's something stopping me. When, whenever there's a depression, there's a numbness on the inside of you. You don't want to respond to anything, good or bad. You just want the time to pass. You just don't want to feel like anything is calling for a response from you. You don't want to be stimulated in any way. And with spiritual depression, it's exactly the same. A few weeks ago, Michael spoke about or gave us the analogy of the wallflower, remember? Remember? the one who sits at the dance and is just looking at everybody else stepping in. That words blessed me so much that I meditated on it a few days after and I thought, you know what, Lord? That is exactly what happens when we face the spiritual depression. And then another another analogy dropped into my spirit. And the spirit was saying, you know what, sometimes it's like You get to the four-way stop when you're driving. And you become the over-courteous driver. You know who the (laughs) over-courteous one is? The one who says, I know you just got here, but please go. And I know you just got here, and please go. With a smile on their face. And you just got to the four-way. I know it's my right of way, it's my turn to go. But you, please come. And they're letting everybody pass not knowing that they are backing up the flow of what needs to happen. And sometimes when we get into spiritual depression, that is what we do, backing up the flow of what God wants to do through us because we are being courteous, we are being, oh, you pray. Oh, no, you encourage. Oh, no, you go to that event. Oh, no, you do that. You have the room. You have the, the resources. You do it. I just want the label of being Christian. It's time that we cancel that over-courteousness and you get moving so that the flow can continue. Don't back up the flow. I'm going to close off, but I want to pray for you and I want us to just have a time of praise. Could we stand? Please, church. If you're wondering what's missing in your spiritual life, it's this garment of praise. It's this garment of praise, this choice, this absolute resilience to say, I will praise God no matter what. Because He's come for that exchange. He's come, and He says in Isaiah, Give me the spirit of heaviness. Give me that sense, that feeling, that numbness that you have, that you don't want to be bothered, you don't want to do anything. You just want the Lord to move here and move there and do that, Father, and pray in the name of Jesus there. But He wants you to get into the flow of things and the spirit of praise. That garment of praise is what's missing for you. If you're still offended about things that happened ten and fifteen years ago or even yesterday, it's time today that you call out that thing and be honest in the presence of Lord and say to you, to Father God, enough. I've been offended for too long, and it's holding me back. Take the spirit of heaviness, and I take on this garment of praise. Amen. Can we just praise Him for a second? We begin to sing a few songs. Just lift up your hands and begin to praise the Lord. Open your mouth. Don't be the overcourteous driver. Open your mouth and give Him praise. I pray that as spiritual depression breaks that those suffering from depression will also find healing today in the name of Jesus. Those suffering from anxiety, physically or spiritually, today that that spirit might be broken. Give Him praise, give Him praise, give Him praise. Father, we thank You. Father, we bless You. Father, we worship You. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.